That was awesome. Would you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, the day we set apart to celebrate the arrival of your gift through your Son is near. This week is so full of many busy things to do that, Lord, we often get distracted from the real reason that Jesus came. So, Lord, help us focus now as you lead us. Speak your words of peace to us. Reveal how Jesus coming as Prince of Peace changes everything and how it can change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as Kathy highlighted this morning uh, with the kids, the fourth candle that we lit today is, uh, is called the Peace Candle. It's also called the Angel's Candle, and it's connected to the message of the angels when they appeared to the shepherds. They pronounced or promised peace as part of that. It's gone. <laughs> the, the button thingy is gone. <laughs> there it is. We got it. <laughs> I am having a day, that's for sure. <laughs> and Luke said, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And you know, more than seven centuries before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah predicted Jesus' birth. This is what he said. For to us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Well, what does the prophet mean by Prince of Peace? Prince of Peace. And, and he says, of his greatness and of his government and peace, there will be no end. What is this never-ending peace? What did those angels mean when they said peace on earth? I don't know about you, but, but my week hasn't exactly been peaceful. Um, it, it's been a beautiful week. It's been a wonderful week, but it, it hasn't been all that peaceful all around. Um, and I wonder about you. How about you? How was your week? Did you have a peaceful week? Do you have great big buckets of peace in your life right now? How's your week? I, I, the last time I checked the news, I saw that politicians were still spitting on each other, and uh, Russia was getting ready to invade Ukraine, and I saw that the new variation of the virus is threatening to make us anything but peaceful. So where's the peace? Jesus came more than 2,000 years ago, so where's the peace that we were promised? Now, maybe some of you are saying, I have kids, you know. Peace doesn't even begin to happen in my house until everybody's sleeping. So where's the peace? 
But the Bible does say that peace arrived with Jesus. Peace is a promise of Jesus' birth. So what does that peace promise mean? What does it mean? You know, a lot of people are searching for peace in their lives, and lots of people aren't finding it. And that's because when we go looking for peace, we often go looking for it in all the wrong places. What does the peace promise of the prophets mean? What does the announcement of peace at Jesus' birth really mean? How does all of this stuff give me peace? Because I need peace and I need it right now. Well, to simplify it, it really means three things. There are three things that I think it highlights and three ways that you gain peace, at least three ways. The first one is peace with God. Peace with God. When I became a teenager, uh, I became intrigued with the peace movement. Those of you who are old enough to remember all of this, the end of the 60s, the beginning of the 70s, there was this whole peace thing going on, peace marches, and all the hippie stuff at the end of the 60s and beginning of the 70s. Woodstock had just happened. Haight-Ashbury was still at its highlight. It was still a wild place. Psychedelic music like Iron Butterfly and Cream was playing on the radio. Um, you know, it was just that kind of time. When I was 13 years old, I turned 13 in England, visiting my, my, uh, my grandmother, and uh, my uncle drove us down to Carnaby Street, and uh, we got to walk among the shops and see all the crazy things. That was the center of hippiedom in England. That was where it was all happening in Soho. Well, I was a little late to the game, but I, was, I had long curly hair. I wore psychedelic shirts and a leather vest. I wore a peace sign medallion around my neck. It was, uh, you know, a, a pewter thing, and it was on a long leather thong. Not the kind of thong you're thinking about, but it was a piece of leather, and it hung around my neck, and I wore it everywhere I went, and I would flash the peace sign to everybody. All the hippie stuff. Even my friends thought, you know, it was cool. And they thought this thing I wore around my neck was kind of cool because we were all kind of into it at that time. And ironically, I discovered that with a metal piece sign, you could slip your fingers through the top and turn it into a really cool pair of brass knuckles. But I wore this thing everywhere. Then one day my eighth grade teacher came up and, and he walked in and Mr. Franklin, he was this tall, skinny looking dude, looked like a mortician, uh, a very narrow face with a beard and, and uh, looked a little bit like Abraham Lincoln. And, and he strolled across the, the class and he leaned down and he looked at the medallion on my chest and he said, nice necklace. I never wore it again. <laughs> Men didn't wear necklaces, but I was still into the peace thing. And I still thought the idea of, of peace was very cool, except for flashing in the peace sign and wearing this peace medallion. I didn't really have the slightest idea what peace was. You know, John and Yoko had just done their thing in Montreal, their bed in, and, and all they were saying is give peace a chance. And I didn't really get it. Not really. I didn't understand peace in any concrete way, except that I knew it kind of meant the absence of war that war would stop, that war would cease. That's one of the big definitions if you look it up in the dictionary. 
Well, peace means a lot of things to a lot of people. In my house, peace was when you could escape to your room and put your headphones on and listen to some music and just kind of chill out. That was, that was peace. Peace was when dad didn't yell at you for not taking out the garbage. Peace was when mom forgot to tell me to do my homework. And peace really meant the nights when they weren't yelling at each other and doing battle. That was peace for me. And it wasn't until several years later that I I learned what real peace was all about. And I experienced that peace. Before that, all I had was an idea of peace. I I, kind of knew what peace was. But once I experienced Jesus, when I came to Jesus in faith, then I experienced what peace was really all about. Real peace isn't peace signs and protests. It isn't posters and songs about love. Real peace is when that, that gnawing feeling inside, that part of you that seems to be eating up your heart because there's something missing, it's when that thing meets Jesus for the first time and, and meets him in an encounter that changes your life. That's when I experienced peace for the first time in my life. The Bible says that we are in a kind of war with God. It's because of our sin nature. By rebelling against God, Adam and Eve, our first parents, declared war on God essentially by disowning him in a way, by disobeying him. And and from that point on, all human beings had a sin nature kind of a magnetic attraction to sin. It's an inner attraction to ideas and to actions that cause separation between us and God because they stray from what God would want us to do and to be. Our nature turns us towards pleasing ourselves and away from pleasing God. And it does it in a way that kind of makes us like little gods. You know, we want to have our own way. We want to make our own decisions. We we want to plot our own course. We want to do anything we want. You know, God not only has perfect love, God also has perfect justice. And, And because he has perfect justice, he can't just look the other way and pretend that our sin doesn't exist. He can't just pretend that we aren't straying from him and that we haven't pushed him away. And you know, no matter how hard we try on our own, we can't deal with our own sin and we can't restore peace with God. Our best effort on our best day amounts to nothing when it comes to finding peace. And that's where Jesus comes in. We are celebrating this week Christmas. Christmas is the arrival of God's gift. It's the arrival of God's peace. Jesus was born of a human being, born of a woman to be like us. Jesus grew up and taught us how to follow him. And Jesus gave his life to pay the price of our sin that we were just talking about. He was raised from the dead as proof of him being God and proof that he was the second person of the Trinity and proof of his word and proof that that we, if we have faith in Christ, will also experience 
being raised from the dead to eternal life. Jesus closed that gap between humanity and him. Romans 5.1 says, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that peace doesn't come into effect in our lives until we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior through faith. And we turn away from our sins and we turn towards God. And that's where we get peace in here. That's where the peace within comes from. We have so many fears right now, don't we? So many things that we're afraid of. So many things that, that, that are uncertain or seem uncertain. And, and you know, disease and death are probably there in your top ten. Death by any means is often in your top ten. And it can come so suddenly. And we fear death, I think, more than almost anything else. Uh, I was talking with a friend of mine, a, a former co-worker yesterday, and we were talking about one of our volunteers at the home where we worked, a man who had been a member of my congregation when we pastored in the Mechanicsburg area. And uh, when he was out doing yard work, he used to redeem his time. So he would, he would listen to Christian music, and as he was cutting the grass, he would pray for people. And one day, he came in from cutting the grass, and he said to his wife, I think my time here is almost done. The Lord, I believe the Lord just spoke to me and told me that he's going to take me home soon. His son told me that he had real peace about it, that he wasn't concerned about it at all. Two weeks later, he was dead. Now, I'd known this man for a number of years. And let me tell you, when he was younger, he was ornery. Uh, he was a kind of hard, legalistic kind of Christian who could really challenge a pastor. And he did, often. But years later, when he started volunteering at the church, or at the, the home where I worked, I noticed there was a real change in him. He'd had arthritis that was so bad that he could hardly move some days, that he had such extreme pain that, that no matter what the doctors gave him, it didn't relieve the pain. He was always in pain. And he told me that he got to the point where he couldn't stand it anymore. And he found himself in the place where the only thing he could do was lean on God. That was it. And you know what? It made him a new man. This was not the man that I had known. This was a new man. This man had real peace. This man loved other people around him. This man volunteered even when he could hardly move some days. And, and he had perfect peace, like people I'd never seen hardly, right up until he died. Now, I have no doubt at all that he's with Jesus right now and that his peace is now permanent. Knowing God personally, knowing and receiving God's peace allows us to have peace within. 
a peace from above. It's a, a peace that doesn't start with what we are doing because it starts with what Jesus has done and is doing in you right now through the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus did it all on the cross, right? He did it all on the cross. He paid the terrible cost of our sin. He forgave our sin. He opened the way to deep healing and to personal peace with God. You know, there's a lot of truth to the old saying. You remember this, no God, no peace, no God, no peace. You know that saying? Well, here's the thing that God wants to do. God wants to bring you peace here and now. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called to one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Think about what that's saying. How do you do that? By letting God rule in your heart, right? It is the peace of Christ after all. And Jesus wants to bring it to you. But you have to get to the end of yourself. You're not going to produce it. God is going to produce it. So here's a special word for you, and I, I hope you pay attention. Stop fighting him and let him produce peace in you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let him do it. Let it happen. Let him in. Let God. Let go. It's not going to happen any other way. In Philippians 4, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, that's where I always trip over it, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's kind of one of our cliches, isn't it? The peace that passes understanding. We talk about that a lot. It comes up in a lot of different ways, a lot of different conversations. Often it's sort of thrown in as a cliche at the end of something we're talking about. That peace that doesn't always make sense because we can have that peace at the most trying of times. It's a supernatural presence of God. But how often do we experience it? Not all that much, right? I remember a very intense experience of God's peace. Uh, most of you know that I've had two heart attacks in my life. The first one, I was standing in the ER at Holy Spirit Hospital with a member of my congregation whom I had brought in for treatment at 1 o'clock in the morning. And I was standing there, and I began to have a heart attack. I have no better example of God's timing in my life than that. At that moment, I was about 10 feet from the nursing station. They gave me intravenous nitro and shut that heart attack down before it did any heart damage whatsoever. Now, it was in the LAD, the left aortal descending artery. That's the one that the nurses call the widowmaker because it gets heavily blocked. You might not survive that one. 
doc told me that if I'd been any, anywhere else when that happened, I might not have survived. You know, that week just before that, the beginning of that week, I'd been out whitewater rafting with a youth group. And uh, we'd been shooting level twos and three rapids. But I had a heart attack at one o'clock in the morning in the ER, standing 10 feet from the nursing station. And all that night, and through the next day, when I went through a heart procedure, I had intense peace. It was kind of like I was just floating along through that whole experience. It was like God was protecting me. And it was that peace without understanding, that peace that just doesn't seem to make sense given the circumstances. Think about sitting in your favorite chair. and You're wrapped up in your favorite blanket. And you're warming your feet by the fire. You've got a dog at your feet and a cat on your lap. This beautiful scenario. It's a thousand times better than that. It's way, way better than that. I think it was because in those moments I reached the end of myself. And there was this point after the conversation with the, the doctor and then after with the surgeon that, that I began to realize, you know, I might have died here. And there's nothing I could do to fix it. I couldn't, in that moment, make it better. I couldn't do anything. There was nothing I could do to make it better. I couldn't help myself. I could do nothing but lean on God. I think we seldom experience God's peace at that level because we seldom let go at that level. We seldom lean on God entirely. But when we do, when we do, we experience that peace at that level that just blows your mind. Philippians 4.4, right before this section here, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. There's that always word again. Man, I, every situation, always. Man, I struggle with that. I fall over that all the time. But I think that the only way that we can rejoice always is when we have that peace of God. That perfect peace. Now, that peace doesn't mean that we're happy all the time. That peace doesn't mean that we don't wish our situation was different. That peace comes when we let God produce it in our lives, when God's peace rules in our hearts. And having God's peace means we can now extend that peace to someone else. That's when the battles begin to tear down. That's when the wars begin to break. That's when the disagreements between people begin to fade away. It's when we have the peace of Christ. And we share that peace with other people. Have you ever known somebody? I've known several people who seem to have this peace all the time. You know, they walk in a room and they have a calming effect on the people around them. I don't think I have that effect on the people around me. I think sometimes I get people cranked up when I come in. <laughs> but I, I think that there are people who experience that peace on a more continual level. They are a blessing. They are a blessing. 
One more thing I want to talk about this morning. It's really quick, but it's really important. And that is peace for eternity. Knowing Jesus means that you will know peace eternally. Peace forever. These moments of peace that you experience, when you have that peace of Christ, when you go through that experience, think of it as a window. It's a little window into heaven. It's a little window to see this is just a taste of what's coming. This is just a tiny taste. It's like God is whispering in your ear and saying, I've got this. It's okay to trust me. Let me work in your life. I've got you. And we're going to spend eternity together. And it will be better than the most peaceful experience you will have while you live here. I wish I could say to you that this life in Jesus is all peace all the time, but that would be a lie. That is not the truth. There are some pretty terrible things that we go through. There are some heartbreaking days. There are some days that challenge our faith and make us want to curl up and give up. And a lot of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about. But Jesus wants to give you peace. And he's ready to step in and do that. He is the Prince of Peace. And he wants to minister to you and your heart right now. Right now. What I want to do as we close, I want us to all close our eyes. And I want us to pray together. And I want to ask you a question with your eyes closed, your heads down. How many of you need God's peace today? Just slip up your hand if you need a helping of God's peace today. Just slip it up. Nobody else will see but God. Thank you. You can put your hands down. You know, if you need God's peace, will you admit to the Lord today that you're at the end of yourself? Will you join me in leaning on God? Say in your heart, Lord, I'm stepping out of the way. Lord, I'm letting you take over. I'm trusting you with my life, with all of my life. Lord, I'm at the end of myself. I need your perfect peace desperately. You might say, but you don't know what I'm going through, and that would be right. But Jesus does. Trust him with your life and for your eternal life. Lord, Forgive our doubt. Forgive our sin. Come in and take over completely. I lean on you for my peace. And I do so in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Amen.